Imagine wading into battle with a squad of skilled warriors at your command, a cadre of 10-ton robots that obey your every thought, and the power of a thunderstorm in the palm of your hand. Welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. And I'm your co-co-host, Mark Scholl. In this episode, we'll be talking to Simon Berman from Privateer Press about their Kickstarter for War Machine Tactics. And we'll talk about how we've been geeking out this week, what we're watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. This week, Simon Berman, a staff writer and community manager from Privateer Press, joins us to talk about the Kickstarter project to translate a tabletop miniatures game to a digital format. War Machine Tactics promises a turn-based strategy game with massive warjacks and a solo player campaign with a kick-ass female lead. So we're so glad you're here today, Simon, and welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So why don't you start out with uh, giving us a little bit of your background, uh, your gaming history, and a little bit about yourself? Uh, Sure. Um, I've been gaming for 20 years now. That's sort of a daunting realization. Uh, since I was 18, <laughs> played a lot of uh, RPGs and war games as a teenager. Um, kind of just kept that up. Uh, about five years ago, I started working at Privateer Press, uh, actually as a, uh, a packer initially, where I was uh, putting little metal guys in the blister packs uh, and then shipping them out. Um, eventually, I became a metal caster, and uh, since then, I've been a uh, part-time writer at, uh, on staff, as well as the uh, community coordinator and marketing coordinator at Privateer. Privateer Press. Wow. So uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is that kind of a common thing that happens at Privateer where you start in like one area and then you move into different ones? I think uh, I've, I've probably worked in more portions of the uh, the company than a lot of people have, but it's not uncommon for people to uh, to transition from place to place in Privateer. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of mobility here. Cool. So you did some metal casting? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I worked for the better part of a year uh, as a, a spin caster, um, actually, you know, making the uh, the metal figures from, uh, from the rubber molds. See, Mark, I told you it wouldn't take long before I got really, really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it usually works. <laughs> See, I don't, I, and I've never played tabletop games. I just want the miniatures. That's, well, that's all I want. The Privateer Press miniatures are definitely worth having. They're, they're gorgeous sculpts, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Well, from the ones I've seen online, they're awesome. Um, Simon, I've got a quick question for you. I've noticed that it seems like a lot of the people that end up working at Privateer Press were fans or players previous to getting hired on there. Was that the case with you? Uh, yeah, actually, before uh, I started working here, I was a press ganger. Uh, the press gang is our volunteer core of uh, people who go out and they uh, they demo the game of War Machine and Hordes and our other board games at local gaming stores. They organize tournaments and organize play. Uh, they help us out at conventions. Um, press gang is kind of uh, the lifeblood of what keeps us able to do what we do and reach out to the community across the world. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Now, is, is anybody here played the uh, War Machine tabletop? Yes. Uh, <laughs> me, 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 me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mark, Mark knows War Machine very well. I've played three times, I think. So enough to kind of get a feel for it, but not be a master in any stretch of the imagination. And I had lots and lots of assistance when I was playing, I have to have to say. <laughs> well, Simon, could you give us just a little history of War Machine, and then we can have Mark and Regina tell a little bit about their experience playing the game. Uh, sure. Uh, War Machine is our awards-winning uh, miniatures board game. We're actually celebrating the 10th year of War Machine this year. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, we actually, Privateer started uh, as a uh, with uh, role-playing games, doing a D20 supplement called Iron Kingdoms, which is the setting that War Machine takes place in. And uh, those original Iron Kingdoms D20 books won a bunch of awards back in uh, 2001, and kind of helped pave the way for uh, 
for where we are now. War Machine is our uh, steam-powered game of uh, giant warjacks, which are big, uh, magical-brained robots, and the uh, the warcasters, who are the uh, the sorceress generals of the armies of the Iron Kingdoms in Western Imran who have a, uh, a particularly sympathetic arcane bond to these these warjacks who they can um, control in battle. And uh, War Machine is a tabletop miniatures game where you uh, you assemble and paint your figures and then play out the battles of the Iron Kingdoms on uh, hobby tables. So we've got you know a really deep setting behind all of it, and we have a sister game called Hordes, which explores the armies of the wilderness and the wilds, armies like the Scorn Empire and uh, the non-humans of the settings. That's uh, War Machine's kind of half of our game. So have you been riding for War Machine? Machine from the beginning? Oh, no. I've only been uh, a privateer since 2008. Uh, but oh, I've been okay. writing, I began by writing for uh, No Quarter Magazine uh, that year, and uh, I've since contributed to uh, most of our War Machine and Hordes books since then, as well as the uh, the new version of the Iron Kingdom's role-playing game, which we launched at Gen Con last year, uh, the second book of which will be available in September. I've got a quick question about that. One of the staff writers, do you guys get doled out um, your writing assignments based on faction or specific characters that you may have dealt with the most or no it tends to be you know when we're putting the, the books together for war machine because if, if you're not familiar um we put out supplements for war machine where we put out new models and rules and we uh move our st- our, uh, our storyline forward uh once mm-hmm. or twice a year through these books for war machine and hordes um and those those books contain new uh new models and characters for all of our factions either they're war machine or hordes books so usually you end up doing some writing across factions and you know i, I think it's, it's people have their their pet favorite characters and you know people will you know sort of request to work on whoever uh, they particularly care about. But I think everybody who does creative work for Privateer works, uh, you know, across factions and stuff. It's it's we're pretty well balanced internally on that. And who's your favorite faction and or characters? Um, at the moment, I am drifting back to Kador, which was my uh, my first War Machine love because uh, I just saw the we were releasing a Gen Con uh, in a couple of weeks, a 10th anniversary collector's edition of the uh, the new Butcher of Kardov model. I mean, he's gonna comes with an amazingly cool diorama base, and he's a three piece figure, and it comes with an art. Print and uh, I saw the uh, solicitation photos for that internally today, and my mouth dropped. And I think I'm going to be playing Kador again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can run with your Argi or Arguses. Yeah, I have a. I still have to paint um, Epic Sorcia, who uh, was the character who got me into War Machine in the first place. So, uh, got to get back to my roots with the motherland, I think. <laughs> what do you play, Mark? I am primarily a Crix player, and no, that wasn't because of the uh, perceived power that they have. I I had a friend who worked at a hobby shop and he basically had a whole bunch of store credit that he really didn't know what to do with anymore. And he asked me if I was interested in playing this really cool game and said, pick one of the factions. And I'm always drawn to the macabre and horror type elements and games and stories. So I chose Cricks. But that being said, I have just received my Convergence, Battle Box and Heavy Vector and Forces of Book just last week and start putting them to get together, which, by the way, they are also beautiful models there. <laughs> so now you're multi-factioned. Mm-hmm. Do you, Regina, do you remember what you played? I, pl- I play Cricks. I, I, I actually played Mark's okay. starter battle box, I think it was. With the addition of uh, Nightmare to go Yeah, on. I was going to say there was something else that was in it, too. Yeah. I won my first game, but I think that was because the person I was playing against wanted me to like the game. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how we all work when it comes to War Machine. We, the, the first taste is free, and then after that, you're at everybody's mercy. Right, right. Until you've had your 20 games to get good. Yes, so I played a one-on-one game, and then we played a four-person game, and then it was very clear in the four-person game that I was target. <laughs> so the dynamic changed a little bit there. <laughs> 
Well, I'm curious that you played you played two different games. It sounds like to conclusion. How long were those games? The one on one and the four person. Oh God, it was a couple years ago now. I think the one on one I'd say was probably an hour, maybe. And, okay. And that was mostly I think because I was learning. Uh, the rules and, you know, how to take your turns and, you know, how to pop your feet and all these, you know, different things that were sort of special to War Machine. And then the, I think the four-person game was a lot longer, though. Do you remember, Mark? Was That, that uh, was a couple yeah. hours. Those always went between okay. four and six hours. Yeah, those are a lot longer because yeah, everybody takes their turns. Everybody's taking right. their time figuring out their strategy and responding to what's sort of going on. One of the things that we can describe a little bit about War Machine is when, when you do play on the hobby tables, they're usually a four by four, you know, hobby table that's got, you know, felt or something on it. And then everybody builds, at least in our faction of friends who play, everybody builds their own terrain. And then you have to factor that into your moves. And, you know, you can go up and over it sometimes, or you have to go around it. But that's part of what makes it such a dynamic game is the board essentially can change with, you know, who you're playing with or where you're playing, or if you're playing at a game store, you know, and they have all kinds of terrain too. So that was one of the things that always drew me to watching it because I watched it for like a year before I went anywhere near it because I'm like wow this is like the most complex thing I've ever seen (laughs) which actually is how we met Yes, yes, exactly. This is how Mark and I became friends, was going to a game day and watching this game be played and sort of seeing what was happening with it, so Well, that makes sense. That's kind of what gaming does. It is, it is absolutely. Thanks to you, uh, Simon and all of Privateer Press for (laughs) allowing (laughs) us to become friends Yeah, I mean, I think War Machine has a, a really great community of players. Um, you know, part of my uh, my job duties is to uh, to manage the Privateer Press forums. And, uh, you know, we have uh, I think over 64,000 members, thousands of people active every day. And, uh, you know, I am I'm constantly uh, impressed by just how friendly and civil and uh, what a great attitude our, our our players have and you know i think you look at a lot of at some other you know gaming communities and the the you know the kind of ugly behavior that can crop up and just you know just what a great group we have playing war machine and hordes and it's you know, it's always it's it's very gratifying to uh to be the community manager for uh, for this group of people i i agree with you there simon i've been coming to your forums since i started playing in summer of 2009 and i mean there's occasionally a little bit of a dust up here or there but for sure. the most part the private your press forums are, as far as I can tell, bar none, the the most civil and polite group of people that I've ever come across. In fact, I can say that because I go to your forums every day. So <laughs> that's that's high praise. That right. is high praise. That that really yeah. is, especially since well, just recently we had an episode all about you know harassment online gaming. So you know. They're, they're very different groups of gamers, so it says a lot about the game. I, I think part of it is that, I don't know if I just want to say the learning curve, or you have to have a lot of patience and dedication, I think, to really devote yourself to War Machine. And I think that that attracts a certain type of gamer. I think that War Machine and Hordes certainly have a bit of a learning curve right at the very beginning but it tapers off very quickly and you kind of get the the basics within a game or two i think it's everybody always uh compares war machine to being chess in that it's relatively easy to learn and very difficult to master and i i tend to agree with that i i have been playing since summer 2009 so just now feel like i'm starting to get a handle on um some of my favorite casters and solos and such so i think it's uh relatively easy to pick up but definitely 
something you got to work towards to master. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance because, you know, um, so many models interact with each other differently. And we're always adding new stuff over the course of each year. So, yeah, I think it's got a lot of depth to it. Yeah, it's, it's a great game. Well, I find the position of um, community manager very interesting. What is your main goal to accomplish for Privateer as the community manager? I know you monitor the forums, but is it just to get feedback about the game? Uh, you know, that's that's one thing we do. Um, but I think it's 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 really a quite tertiary goal. Um, you know, I think my main objective as community manager is to uh, give our community a place to interact with one another in a friendly and cordial environment and, you know, uh, be able to talk about uh, Privateer Press games, books. You know, we have a fiction line now and hopefully give uh, our audience an opportunity to uh, meet online and hopefully, you know, maybe meet in person to actually play games. Because one of the joys of tabletop gaming is that you get, you know, genuine uh, social time out of, it. you know, you, 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 ha- you have to be in person to, to play these games. That's part of why I think we have such a great community because our, our, our players, they have to be responsible for the, for what they say and how they act. And it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think it really shines through with, you know, the great attitudes most of our audience has. And, you know, the, their, their desire to interact and play games with each other uh, really comes through on the Internet. But, you know, it's not just the forums. I run our, our Facebook and our, our Twitter as well um, and other social media formats. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's a pretty fun job. <laughs> Well, that that's really interesting because that kind of leads into my question about your Kickstarter project for War Machine Tactics. I kind of had a couple of questions about that. First, was making the game digital something that came up first internally or were some of the gamers interested in that first? So there's, there's kind of a long story behind how we got uh, to where we are with Tactics. I mean, it began several years ago when we uh, partnered with a uh, software company called White Moon Dreams, who were really interested in making a War Machine-inspired uh, video game. And originally it was going to be an action game, kind of a Dynasty Warriors sort of thing. And uh, we got we got fairly along, far along with uh, developing that project. And, you know, one of the things that we we do is, uh, you know, we love War Machine and Horrors, we love the Iron Kingdom's role-playing game, but we, we want to keep giving people opportunities to experience different facets of the Iron Kingdoms. And video games is one way that we can do that. You know, it lets us uh, explore things in a new and different way. You know, another example is we have a, uh, a deck building card game coming out uh, next month called, or in August, I should say, uh, called High Command, which is going to let you uh, build armies and, you know, fight huge battles across the face of, uh, of the Iron Kingdoms. And that's sort of another, you know, manifestation or expression of the of a War Machine that we're going to, we're going to, uh, kind of check out but originally we'd always wanted to do video games and uh, white moon dreams were war machine players themselves and they were really excited and enthused and it was it was a great partnership um and it continues to be one but over time as i'm sure you're aware the the video game industry has become sort of a tumultuous place and it can be very difficult to uh, to bring your own intellectual property in your own setting to existing publishers so after uh, some frustrations uh, we eventually settled on the idea about 18 months ago of starting to explore kickstarter as an option for us to fund the game with our audience and make the game that we want without being beholden to investors or uh, large video game publishers who might not see the, who might not see eye to eye with us on how we want to portray the game. So we uh, we scaled back from the action game and we decided to go with a, a turn-based strategy game, sort of like an XCOM type thing with the Iron Kings, which we think the uh, the, the tabletop game um, has some similarities there. And while uh, War Machine Tactics is not meant to be a, you know a one for one port of War Machine, it has a lot in common with the tabletop game. But again, you know there are differences, and we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the the new format to uh, to explore a different kind of uh, presentation. And, you know, we spent months and months looking at Kickstarters and researching, and all the while, the guys at White Moon Dreams were working really hard on getting uh, demos and early versions of the game up. And, you know, one of the really 
gratifying parts about our collaboration with them is that they, they're War Machine players themselves, and Matt Wilson, our chief creative officer and founder, uh, is down there in Los Angeles with them, and he's he's working you know hand in hand with them to make sure that the game looks and feels like War Machine, and will give our players the the experience that uh, they want and deserve. So, what was behind the decision of changing it from its original concept to a turn-based game? Was that a financial decision or? Uh, a feasibility decision of some sort? Uh, it was feasibility, really. You know, we, that, we, that game's still on the back burner and we want to come back to it. Okay. Um, you know, when we started looking to crowdfunding, we realized that a tactics game would be, we, we, could, we could create a very satisfying tactics game without without the huge scope and, and, you know, huge amounts of money that would be necessary to do that. And we felt it would be a really good way for us to start exploring video games and in a way that we knew our audience loves uh, those tactical style games. We felt it would be a really uh, natural place to begin. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. It's the first thing I thought I thought when Mark brought the Kickstarter to my attention and I watched the video, I'm like, this is a good move because this is, you know, different from what it's like in person, but it still has the same cognitive process to it. Like the same, you, you think the same way in a turn-based strategy game that you would playing in person tabletop War Machine. So I think that was a good move. Yeah, and I think, you know, the reaction we've had has just been uh, tremendous. Uh, you know, we said our, our original goal was uh, $550,000. We, we were always confident that we would make that, but we mm-hmm. expected it would take, you know, five days, six days, maybe maybe a week, even more. Um, and we uh, we funded in less than 35 hours, which uh, just blew our minds. <laughs> really? Were you guys yeah. that surprised, really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at, I was watching it until you guys made the goal and as far as i was concerned there was no way in my mind that it was going to take more than a couple of days to to fund it even you know before it started like when you announced it i i was yep this will be funded in inside of two days (laughs) yeah you know when you're on the inside it's always a little uh, a little nerve-wracking but uh you know it was it was it was mind-blowing just how uh massively our audience uh, reacted you know now we've uh we've funded we're over a million one hundred thousand dollars now um nine days left to go and you know we've gotten some great press in the broader video game community so we're seeing lots of people who had never heard war machine before who are showing up and checking it out and in a lot of cases they're checking out the tabletop game too which is uh super cool indeed that's a nice oh the kickstarter's still open yeah until August 10th. Eastern. Oh, how did I miss that? Because I was well, I was looking at the Kickstarter page and I was like, oh man, I wish I'd been in on this. And I think I was looking at the one million dollars and I just assumed it was over. Yeah, no, it's it's only twenty bucks to get the digital version of the game, Rhonda. Oh, yep, I'm in there. You yeah. and John need to jump into it. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, Simon. I I've never played a tabletop miniature games uh, miniature game at all, and I've I've never been interested in doing that. But we we play a whole lot of board games love Arkham Horror and like uh, Defenders of the Realm and stuff like that. But when I I started watching the demos of War Machine Tactics and saw the turn base going on in there, I was like, you know, that's that to me just looks like the tabletop. I don't think it's going to work for me. And then it hit me. I'm in love with Civ Mm Five. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wait, I'm already doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And besides the fact that it is so incredibly gorgeous. Yeah, that, that's um, a nice bonus too. <laughs> yeah, White Moon is, they're just phenomenal. It, yeah. It's a great partnership. No, it, it's really good. They're really getting the look of the Iron Kingdoms down. Um, you know, we, we were founded by a number of artists. Uh, Matt Wilson, who is uh, our owner and creative uh, chief creative officer, uh, he actually began as a painter uh, in the tabletop gaming industry, and he did a lot of the original artwork for our game. And, you know, he's still very involved in the, uh, the art direction, along with our, you know, actual art director and creative officers. The aesthetics and the looks of the game are, are really important to us. And, you know, we, we spend a lot of time making sure that, you know, War Machine, 
scene in tactics is looking like it does in the, the tabletop game. Didn't Matt also uh, do artwork for Magic the Gathering for a while, too? Yeah, I believe he did a, a number of uh, fairly well-known magic cards, although I couldn't name them off the top of my head. Cool. One of the things I like about the artwork, if you had told me, hey, there's this Kickstarter out there about a game, it's a, a steampunk type game, machine, you know, where there are machines in the realm and stuff, I would have never looked at it. I don't have anything against steampunk, but it's just, it, sometimes it has just a kitschy feel to it. And for robots and machinery and things that are run the way that these are, it, it you have a new look. You have put a, a new face and a new feel on to me on that genre it's absolutely gorgeous real quick question for you simon as far as the stretch goals go for the kickstarter yeah i'm really hoping to at least get to 1.3 million on the stretch goals so that uh, there's co-op if some strange reason that doesn't get hit are you guys ever planning on adding those other stretch goals later on down the road maybe as dlc or a patch or something yeah um you know anything that's on our stretch goal list is stuff that we we absolutely plan to add to the game getting it uh, as part of the kickstarter stuff ensures that uh, the backers will get it as part of um you know what they what they've pledged and hopefully sooner than later but yeah if it's if it's if we don't unlock it through the uh, through the kickstarter it's definitely coming down the pipe cool so i i have a question about about the co-op modes that you guys have. So Rhonda asked about what asynchronous and synchronous play were. And um, I wanted to know, so synchronous is like when you play in real time with each other. So when like everybody's online and playing. And asynchronous means you can play while, you know, when you hop online, you can play a move and your friends can play a move when they're not online as well. Do you know if there's any other turn-based strategy games that have like asynchronous turns? Because I'm really fascinated by the fact that you guys have incorporated that as a as a potential for the game. Um, I'm not the best person to answer that question. Uh, I wish one of the White Moon Dreams guys was here. Um, <laughs> I suspect there probably are some other games that have that. We're calling it a play-by-mail mode, but I think it's... Um, it's something that we think is pretty cool, and uh, not something you see in too many of the current uh, tactics games, from what I understand. Although the uh, the only tactics game I've been playing recently is XCOM. Well, that's been the most recent sort of big turn-based strategy or game game that came out next to maybe Civ Five. And hallelujah for it having been uh, remade and mm-hmm. re-released because. Wow, I was a fan back in the day. Uh-huh. But yeah, so the the, the asynchronous play by mail mode. I don't know if it's unique to us, but I think it's a pretty cool feature, especially for people like me who may not have uh, who are very busy and may not have the time to you know play uh, every match they want to, but can still you know play with their friends and you know log on, take a take a turn, and wait for for it to get back. It's great if you know in the middle of your work day, your lunch, you want to play part of your game, but you don't have time for the whole thing. Right. I think it's be a pretty cool feature. Yeah, I, that's one of the. I think it's a real it's a real draw because I I feel the same way a lot of the time, and is why we've talked about on the show before. I tend to gravitate to my the mobile games I have because I can pick them up and put them down like in between grading papers or other work that I'm doing play a couple of turns and put it down and go back to what I'm doing and that's a lot different than like playing an MMO where you have to go in and spend you know hours dedicated to playing so I think it's a real strength for you know that you guys are planning that yeah um you know and like I said I I think one of the fun things about uh tactics is it's going to uh it's gonna have a lot of different ways to play it right you know we've got a really strong single player campaign no man's land uh that will be at uh the game's launch then we're going to add more as time goes on Uh, in fact one of our stretch goals that we've already unlocked is uh a single mission, a, a, a mission pack, which is not quite as long as a full campaign, but is another uh, about five or six hours of solid single player experience. That's uh, fire, that's nice. 
yeah, Fire and Ice is going to have some Protectorate and Kador content. So two more factions, you'll get the chance to play uh, from their perspectives. Nice. And then, of course, we've got a, we've got some really strong multiplayer stuff in the works. You know, we're hoping to have like a, have a tournament ranking system as well as casual multiplayer and uh, single player skirmish modes against against you know, AIs. So, uh, you know, I, I think whatever kind of game you like out of a tactics based game is going to be available to you as a player. Wow, that's a that's a fair amount of flexibility. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, and a lot of the uh, the stretch goals that we've we've already made unlocking mercenary characters from the tabletop game into the into tactics uh you know they'll be available for multiplayer initially but the cool thing is that whenever we add those to the game they become assets we can use to build single player campaigns as well and you know over time it would be our hope that eventually everything that exists in the world of war machine will be in tactics nice. sweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of figures to add so it might take us a little while <laughs> so um say in a couple of years it might not uh, be impossible that we might see uh, convergence in there as well huh yeah, I think, you know, we, we definitely want to see them in there. Um, there's some uh, coding challenges for them because if you play the tabletop game, you know that their uh, their focus mechanics, the way that their warcasters interact with their warjacks, which they call vectors, is a little different from other uh, factions. So that's uh, a little bit challenging for us to do. But yeah, absolutely. We definitely want to see Convergence and everybody else in War Machine Tactics. And eventually they'll probably be a Hordes Tactics as well. Yeah, we're uh, we got a one thing at a time, but uh, <laughs> right, we right. Want to bring all of that in as a as a fully compatible experience. Right. Yeah, they got to give me time to catch up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you'll you'll be caught up with when Tactics comes out pretty quickly. Yeah, with your with your response, Rhonda, to Civ Five once you started playing it, I I have a feeling that with the grandeur and and as you said, the artwork and the artistic vision of this game, I think it's going to suck you right in. Rhonda's an artist, Simon. In case you didn't know, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the reasons why she she always goes to the art. That's one of the things that she's always looking at when we're talking about games. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I downloaded the demo of Civ Five, and I think I played it. I, I played the demo straight through like four or five hours and didn't stop. And I was I, I haven't been that caught up in something in a long time. And it definitely was that you know just just one more turn, just one more turn. Sure. Yeah, this is. War Machine Tactics is going to be like that experience on crack. Yeah. I, can just, <laughs> I know already. I know already. All right. So I have to ask about Lieutenant Allison Jakes because yeah. this is what I said. Now I watched the video and I said out loud, I want to be her. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's my take. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, I think Jakes is a pretty cool character. Um, you know, one of the fun things about working with White Moon Dreams has been, uh, as I mentioned, our collaboration and uh you know, it's the first time we're really collaborating with another group to uh, come up with one of our characters, and uh, Jake's was the result of that process. Um, Jake's is a journeyman warcaster, and uh, No Man's Land is going to be uh, her story. Going to start out with her as a journeyman, which is a a, uh, a rookie warcaster who's just learning the ropes of uh, her very dangerous military trade. And over the course of that story, uh, which will be her crucible, she's going to come out at the end as a full fledged warcaster. So we worked really closely with White Moon Dreams in developing her uh, story, her uh, her visual looks, and of course, you know the uh, the art for the game and then of course we've got the uh, the exclusive miniatures available through the kickstarter which uh is a first for us where those characters will be uh available and played in war machine tabletop games so if you like jake's character in <laughs> tactics uh you will be able to play her on the tabletop as well that's awesome i love the crossover that's really cool yeah, we're really we're really pretty psyched about that. Um, as you can see, we made uh, exclusive alternate sculpts for all uh, six uh, novice warcasters for uh, across all of the War Machine factions, including Mercenaries, Retribution of Syrah. And another first for us is uh, another figure we introduced, Commander Dalen Sturgis, who is uh, a character introduced in the uh, 
the journey in uh, in Jake's No Man Land story. He begins as a Signaran warcaster, and uh, he eventually comes back as a Crixian warcaster. And uh, this is another couple of firsts for us too. We we have a mechanic in the tabletop game called Epic, and that's where characters in our storyline who progress come. They they gain new rule sets and new miniatures. And usually there's some period of often a couple of years between their the release of their initial version and their Epic version. So we're actually releasing uh, Sturgis uh, Commander Daewon Sturgis the Signaran warcaster and Sturgis the Corrupted the Crixian warcaster at the same time as alternate sculpts through the Kickstarter. And then those figures will be out uh, later in uh, 2014, as well as in um, in the video games. So we're getting to explore a lot of new territory, um, you know, sort of transmedia stuff. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's a lot of fun to uh, to check all these new things out and these new opportunities for us. Just a quick question to clarify about Commander Sturgis, because what I thought I read online was that he wasn't going to be specifically released with any of the uh, expansion books coming out, specifically Vengeance, I'm guessing. So was he originally created just specifically, in this case, for the video game, and then we're just getting lucky and you guys are um, releasing him for us as a, an actual caster? Yeah, basically. Um, you know, we were we were designing the No Man's Land campaign, and uh, Sturgis's story was part of that. And as we were, you know, we were developing our Kickstarter plans at the same time, and, you know, there was this feeling that it would be really cool to introduce him as a miniature at the same time, do all of these, these explore all these new areas for us. So while he won't be in War Machine Vengeance, which is our anthology book of new models next year, he will be in a, in a later War Machine book. We just haven't figured out where he's going to end up. Uh, okay. But again, all of those models, you know, we're releasing this Kickstarter exclusive ultra sculpts um, but we're really committed to keeping our models uh, available to the, to all of our players so even if you do miss out on the Kickstarter uh, we'll release general release sculpts for those uh, those figures at a later time after the Kickstarter release probably several months later cool and I would be remiss if I didn't ask this but it begs the question now that we've seen a a caster come out and um, go epic and as such end up in a different faction than where he started are you guys planning on doing that somewhere down the road maybe with um, some other casters? I don't know if we have specific plans for that anywhere just yet, but obviously there's a lot of places where that could make sense and where it does make sense, I suspect we'll definitely consider it heavily if we don't do it, but I, I, I think he's probably not the last uh, cross-faction war caster that we will release. Cool. Well, again, I'm not I'm not familiar with the game, but I was, I was curious as to how strategic a choice it was to make Lieutenant Jakes in the digital game uh, a female. Not very. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> well, Rhonda, if you if you ever take a look at any of the War Machine books, there are a lot of female warcasters across so, all the factions. That was going to be my question, and that's the way that's the way it looked because the the character looks natural to the world, and yeah. so it didn't look like a special decision. No, you know, I, I think I don't know what the actual numbers breakdown is, but I suspect it's pretty close to to a. 40 or 50 50 split between uh, male and female warcasters and warlocks and hordes um it's you know it's, it's a very common thing for us to introduce these characters and you know the, the way we come up with characters is really based on you know if somebody in development has an idea for a cool visual cue or one of our stories suggests doing one going one way or the other you know it, it's just part of our general process but we uh, you know we produce a an awful lot of uh, female characters often in um, in major plot roles yeah um i was just curious about that i, I that was one of the ways i I kind of sold Regina on playing Crix because um, I, I think they have 
I'm not 100% certain about this, but I think they have the most female casters of all the War Machine fac- factions, and they also have is it two units of, that are completely female, which is the Satixis. And, and one of the things that has always impressed me about it, I only bring this up because it's part of uh, what we talk about on here is, is gender and gaming as well, is that you have this phenomenal amount of female characters in, in the world, and with the exception of two, I can think of none of them are hypersexualized. And the two that are kind of sexualized, being Denegra and the War Witch Siren, it kind of makes sense given their rule set where they have seduction and influences as abilities. Was do you know if that was always kind of a mindset with Matt and and the other folks that were there at the beginning to to try and keep the game? I, I don't want to say tasteful necessarily, but you know, gender equal a, a, as it has turned out. I mean, I can't speak for uh, for what was going on in everybody's heads uh, back then a decade ago, since I was I was not working here at the time. But you know, I, I think we're just generally kind of committed to you know putting out cool looking figures and art and just doing it in a way that you know is is fun and appealing to a broad variety of people. And you know, we, we've we've got our aesthetics, um, which tends more towards big clunky armor and rivets and giant steam powered <laughs> warjacks and stuff and. Those are the those are the directions that that drive our art forward. Uh, if that makes any sense, yeah, it does. Yeah, but that's one of the things that, as Mark said, you know, as I learned about the game and I I started look, I I've, I've always had that sort of critical feminist lens at everything that I look at, and I was thankful in your digital design that you didn't do the sort of oh we need to have a you know a boob window <laughs> on this lead female character because it's a video game because I would have been like oh no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think anybody involved would ever, uh, ever really even get near that thought process. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jake's is there to, she's there to, to kick ass and uh, grow as a warcaster. So uh, yeah. that was that was what was important when designing her. Yeah, well, that's awesome, and and yeah, that just yeah, makes. Yeah, I mean, me she excited. still looks like a woman, though. I mean, yeah. oh no she doubt, she looks like somebody I want to be or that I, that well, I want to play. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's pretty awesome. Yeah. So going back to what you just said there, Simon. So does that mean that we might see uh, Miss Jakes uh, in a further release after Vengeance as a full fledged warcaster? Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> sign anything on that, but I'd say there's a pretty good jan- chance that uh, Tactics and uh, the release of uh, Jeremy Warcaster Allison Jakes is not the last you will see of her. <laughs> awesome. Oh, awesome. People <laughs> seem really excited about her as a character too, which is always cool. You know, she's she seems to be resident. Uh, really well, especially with her Signarum players, of course. But um, I think she's a character we're going to continue to explore. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited about uh, Iacos too. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm not going to have any trouble transitioning into this game as a right. non-tabletop player. You know, I, I think it's going to go back and forth pretty pretty well. If you're a tabletop player, I think Tactics is going to feel like the like a War Machine experience that makes a lot of sense to you. And if you are experiencing the world of the Iron Kingdoms for the first time through Tactics, you know, picking up a battle box and going down to your local game shop, um, it's going to be a pretty recognizable experience for you going that way too. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that goes both ways. Well, I'm excited. I've got I've already got the Kickstarter page up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't miss out on that. <laughs> Simon, do you have the major milestone dates right now that's coming up for Privateer? Anything that you want to let us know? Events or you were talking about some re- releases a little bit earlier. Anything you guys have got going on for the rest of the year? 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still a pretty busy year for us. It's our 10th year anniversary of War Machine. Uh, our 12th is Privateer. Um, our next big show is going to be Gen Con in just a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be there uh, large and in charge, as always. Uh, if you come to our booth, uh, we're going to have some really cool stuff, including the 10th anniversary Butcher set, uh, which is going to introduce the third incarnation of the Epic Butcher, uh, who is super awesome. Uh, <laughs> I saw the set of that today, and uh, I, so I've been... I've been scheming how I can get my hands on one before the show all afternoon. <laughs> nice. um, we're going to have that there. We're going to have High Command, which is our new deck building game. War Machine High Command releases in August. We will definitely have that at Gen Con. Hordes High Command, which will be the companion game to that, is going to come out in October. We also have a slew of board games. We have a uh, horror board game series called Level 7. The latest version of that, I shouldn't say version, the latest uh, game in that line will be releasing uh, very soon. That's called Level 7 Omega Protocol, which is a uh, cooperative horror board game of uh, soldiers versus aliens in Subterra Bravo. Kings, Nations, and Gods, which is the second book in our Iron Kingdoms role-playing game series, it's going to come out in September. Good chance we'll have that at Gen Con, too. And, you know, if you're at Gen Con, we'd love to see anybody who uh, plays our games or doesn't play our games come by check out our stuff say hi uh, and then of course we'll be at pax prime uh just a couple weeks after that yeah that was going to be my question because i'll be at pax prime so oh, yeah, please come see us yeah i will i, I always do awesome. <laughs> i always go by i'm always tempted i always end up buying something so <laughs> right on. i will be happy to give you a demo or a chat of whatever you like oh fantastic we'll look for that yeah great and gen con's in indiana Indianapolis, yeah. Indianapolis, Indianapolis yeah. okay. Yep. I think two weeks from today. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, August 15th. Somebody was talking about it today on Twitter. That's all I remember. Yeah, like, so a week or two before, before PAX and Dragon Con. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're actually doing a panel, Simon, if you want to send people our way. Oh, Friday, yeah. Friday morning, 11 a.m. At PAX? Yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, I will uh, mention that. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. This is a great, a great conversation. And if you're listening and you haven't already jumped on the Kickstarter, uh, show is going to air five days before it ends. So we air on uh, August 5th. So you'll have five days left to go out and pledge your Kickstarter to uh, 20 bucks get you the game. And then we get all the cool figures and stuff as well. Actually, if I could just jump in real quick. If you're listening to this and you have backed or are thinking about backing War Machine Tactics, I just want to say thank you so much on behalf of everybody at Privateer and White Moon Dreams. Uh, we are we are blown away and totally humbled by the outpouring of of support we've had for this and uh we couldn't we couldn't do it without you thank you so much again you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're really proud to have you guys on the show because yeah. it's obvious that you consider the fans you consider your community and you're very closely tied to them and that's that's important so happy to have you thank you it's uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you Welcome to Game on Girl. We're going to be wrapping up our weekend geek with what we've been watching, reading, and playing. And Mark is going to join us for this conversation. I am. I am. <laughs> Yay. Because he likes to We rap. always love having some outside blood. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, why don't we start with you, Mark? What have you been watching this week? Um, as boring and uh, pseudo-intellectual as it sounds, I've been watching actually a lot of uh, episodes of Nova on uh, Netflix. Oh, I like Nova. I do too. I, it's a great show. It has been a great show for years. Have you watched the Bees one, the Bees episode? I have not yet, but I certainly want to. Since, that is like uh, one. Of, they put like little cameras on the Bees. Mm -hmm. It's cameras on Bees. Like the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Ever. Nova does that. I know. 
Yes, our Nova. That's right. PBS is cool. I know it really is, and then you can track and you can learn about the the waggle dance. I think it's called, which is how they mm-hmm. they communicate where the pollen is and all that stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I actually got to wear a beekeeper's outfit. Really? Yeah, cat keeps bees. Oh, you know, I think I knew that because I think I saw a picture of her. Yeah, with the headpiece on. Yeah, she needed to go over and check them one time, and we were we were hanging out having a girls' day, and she said, "Do you want to go with me?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." And John said, "You are." <laughs> like you gotta wear an outfit <laughs> but we we kept picking on her because the year before she had had italian bees i think she had ordered them from italy and they were pretty lazy and i think they ended up leaving or dying off and then she ordered some russian bees and they were very angry <laughs> <laughs> they, they they built a whole bunch of t-34s and tried to yeah. take over the orchard or something yeah they were very mean bees but they made a lot of honey huh. <laughs> they were very active they were productive but, and angry bees yeah, maybe that should aggressive. be the next game angry bees there you go i, I think cat's probably working on it she should totally <laughs> angry russian bees well what have you been watching regina uh you know it's kind of dry times for watching things so i actually watched a movie the other night um i watched flypaper um huh? which was a recommendation like i said uh, last episode i think it was netflix Netflix knows me. Oh, yeah. Kind of freaking out a little bit about how well Netflix knows me. But this was one of the top 10 recommendations for me was this movie, Flypaper. It was 2011. It stars um, Patrick Dempsey and Ashley Judd. And it's a bank robbery caper where two bank robberies happen simultaneously. So two very different groups of bank robbers walk into the same bank to rob it at exactly the same time. Oh, how embarrassing. It, it, it was kind of a mess. <laughs> you have like the high tech guys who are like all in like stealth gear and, you know, um, faces covered and all this stuff. And then you have kind of the redneck guys who just walk in and are like, stick them up. The bank. <laughs> and then you have kind of the conflict that comes between them and like trying to figure everybody trying to figure out what's going on and what's happening. So uh, it was really it was a very enjoyable kind of just summer thing. And, you know, had no expectation for it, which is one of the reasons why I probably enjoyed it doesn't get like good reviews or anything. But it was a really fun just kind of like, oh, if you want to, you know, spend a couple hours watching it and had a couple nice twists in it that were kind of interesting and fun. So I would recommend checking it out, Flypaper. Yeah, that probably is what we ought to talk about, at least till the new season starts, is, okay, these are what we're watching to get through the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This is what we're doing to get through the dry spell where there's no new TV shows. I'm waiting, uh, you know, I'm anxiously waiting for uh, Once Upon a Time and Revenge to come back. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're two of my favorite current shows right now. So I'm always waiting. I'm waiting with bated breath for when they're going to be heading back maybe that's what we'll do next next time is talk about what we're looking forward to maybe yeah hey that's not a bad idea or yeah and watching come fall new and old yeah so what have you been anything anything you've been you know almost completely unmemorable but i remember actually watching a movie too when you mentioned it i was like oh yeah i watched aliens 3 my husband bought me a collector's pack of all the aliens movies and i had never sat and watched aliens 3 through from beginning to end so i sat through and i always like to have something like that on in the background i also bought tangled to have oh, i've been wanting to watch that have you ever seen it Mm-mm. no i haven't oh it's wonderful it's yeah. just the, so it's one of those winners of for animated shows that just get gets it right hmm. you know 
That's awesome. Good voices, good characters. They're just super fun and likable, and I just watch it over and over again. But um, Aliens 3, it's not horrible. It's got uh, two or three plot points that just infuriate me to no end. Is that the one that Winona Ryder was in? Am I remembering correctly? No, that's Aliens 4. Oh, there was four. Sorry. Because I'm like, that's what I, that was the one that popped in my head. And I'm like, I don't remember that having much redeeming, many redeeming qualities. But yeah, I'm thinking the ne- that next one will be much worse because I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen it from beginning to end either, mm-hmm. only in segments. But I, I kind of feel like I know what they were wanting to do with Aliens 3 a little bit, but it just got mucked up with a bunch of junk that messed it up. Yeah. And uh, it, it just put too many unbelievable moments in the movie that didn't make sense. You had to suspend your disbelief too much, too many times. Yeah, you know, I can believe in acid-filled aliens, but the rest of it, no. (laughs) And I am an enormous fan of Prometheus, but uh, I know that's a love-hate relationship with people, so I look forward to owning it as well. So what are you reading, Mark? Oddly enough, what I've been reading is the Forces of War Machine Convergence of Cyrus book that I just got last week. Cool. Convenient. Yeah. So I'm, I'm <laughs> and after our that. conversations mm-hmm. and talking to a writer, I can't wait to read it either. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually really exciting. Uh, the fiction part of the, the book at the beginning, the fluff, if you will, actually talks about one of my favorite casters in my Crix faction. So cool. um, that was really cool. And yeah, that's pretty much what I've been reading. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. That was one of the things that I would do before I started learning how to play War Machine is I would sit and I would read the books as everybody was playing and read through some of the history and the lore in the games, which is, is you know, nicely written, which is one of the things that impressed me about it at the time that they took to d- devote to that where, you know, like you could very easily in a game like that just kind of, you know, write whatever here it is. Gloss over it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know, dense or, you know, complete, but they've done a fair amount of research with it too so you know in the kinds of characters that they created so i really like that too i don't think they uh would ever dream about half-assing any part Mm -mm. of their intellectual property yeah i I find that every step of the way everything of theirs that i have been involved with has been top-notch so yeah what about you regina are you finished with your series yet no i'm not i'm still in book three i slowed down a little bit because i realized how much i was enjoying it i do this sometimes when i know that i'm getting toward the end of a series (laughs) I slow down because I know it's coming to the end. So I'm still in book three, which is Emperor Mage of Tamara Pierce's The Immortal Wars series. And Dane, the main character who has the wild magic that allows her to communicate with the animals. And my favorite scene that I've read just recently, she has a really hard time with animals that are kept in captivity because she knows and can communicate with them and knows how they're suffering and if they're suffering. So one of the things that she did for all the animals and essentially like the Emperor zoo was she went in and she created living dreams for them so she took their memories of their homelands and created a a magical living dream so that any time that they wanted to in their minds go back to their native lands they could wow they could create that image in their mind and you know with the smells and the sensations and the you know weather and all of that she took all that and wove it into a dream for like each one of the captive animals. And I just thought that that was so poetic. And, and it's such a nice touch because it's not something that necessarily moved the plot forward of the book. Right. But it really rounded out like her character in a way that I was really impressed with. So nice. Yeah, that is really good. A, a good attention to detail. Exactly. Exactly. Which is one of the things that I love just in general about Tamara Pierce's writing. But specifically in this book, there's a lot of moments where she takes to flesh out this character, which I think might be why, you know, like, 
like I said, my my first love was the first character, Alana, in the first books. And now I'm like, oh, well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a lot more kinship to the way Dane has been sort of created and her character has been created. And I think it's because she is slowing down and taking more time in character development than she did in the first book. So, Well, I haven't finished Poppet yet. I'm reading it by uh, Mo Hader. And like I said before, it's a meteor book, but I'm far enough along in it, though, there are three distinct plot lines going on, and they haven't crossed yet. As a reader, that's just a little disconcerting, because I keep expecting to see what these people are going to have in common. Yeah, I'm bumping into each other or whatever. Yeah, and I don't know whether or not I've missed something, which simply means later on I'm going to have a really enjoyable surprise. Or a a facepalm moment where you're like... Yeah, either way, Mm -hmm. it will be, you know, it'll be really great that she pulled that off. But if not, to me, it's taking just a a little bit too long to get there. Mm -hmm. But all the characters are extremely interesting. It's still a a fascinating plot. I'm just I'm just kind of ready for it to to move on a little bit. The only other thing I'm reading, I ordered Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvels. Oh, nice. I got the first nine issues. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear what you think about those. Well, of course, the art is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to read the stories. Yeah. Mark, did you play anything new or interesting last week? Um, what I've been playing um, has been War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I see a theme. <laughs> pretty, pretty much pretty much weekly. Um, but actually, the other game that we've been into that I actually did play, um, I think it was last week, was Smash Up, which I know you've been yeah. trying out too, Regina. Um, yeah, we were introduced to it at our wedding reception barbecue, and I've been playing it probably about once every couple of weeks since then so and i think we played it again on yeah saturday night this last saturday night we played it again so it's really fun ronda you'd like it you take two different sort of random decks and mush them together so you can get any kind of different combination of creatures and abilities to play with Uh and then you play against each other and the different decks are very much a a strict theme Mm -hmm. so you might have something like the steampunk faction mixed with wizards, or you might have zombies mixed with dinosaurs. Or <laughs> so that's yeah. where the smash up comes from. Yeah, and exactly. Where you smash the two decks together and then play. Cool. I like that. Yeah, ghost ninjas or all kinds of different things you can get kind of mixed together. So it's really fun. It's really fun. And it's a quick game. And it's easy to learn. So. And they're actually coming out with an expansion for it. Uh, I think it's going to be available during Gen Con. Um, it's a uh, Cthulhu-themed expansion. Oh, nice. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> yep. Well, I had a, an, a big board game day on this last Saturday as well. And um, have either of you played Pandemic? I know Rhonda's played. I played it with oh. you, actually. Oh, okay. Chris. Okay, we played it. You played Pandemic, right, Rhonda? A lot. A lot. Okay, well, we got... I love Pandemic. We got the expansion on the brink, which takes... Is that the new one? Yeah, then I think it's the okay. new one. Yeah, it makes it so you can play five people, which is nice, which is one of the reasons why we got it, really. But it takes Pandemic, which is already, you know, poke yourself in the eye hard, yes. and makes it harder. <laughs> Is it the one one with the, it's got the purple infection? It does. It has the purple super infection. 
um, there's three different um, uh, themes that you can play, three different things that can sort of uh, emerge. You can have um, the super virus, which is the purple virus, can emerge. You can have a bioterrorist where one person in the group turns against the, everybody else. Oh. We played the third one, which makes whatever virus is like the worst on your board more difficult to kill, which oh. is what we played. We started out with, you know, it. a lot of pandemic comes down to where your uh, first three outbreaks are and two of our outbreaks were in neighboring cities from each other. So oh, we looked at man. the board and we're like, this is pretty much just done if we're not, you know, don't get this under control. <laughs> and we didn't get it under control. And I'd have to say Southeast Asia took out the world. Okay. On the brink is um, an older expansion. Is it the older expansion? I thought it was a new yeah. one. Okay. Well, the new one that came out this year is in the lab. Oh, okay. I don't think they had that one. In a row. I think we got on the brink because it was the one that made it so you could play five people. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so it's fun. It's fun in the in the pandemic. Pandemic's fun to lose way. <laughs> you, you know, the reason why I think it's it's so incredibly fun, even though it's almost impossible to win is because you're all losing. Yeah. Yeah. You're all. Yeah. Well, that was my favorite part of the tabletop episode of it was, you know, they play and they lose. And then when Will Wheaton goes to the winner's circle, it's pandemic, the box up (laughs) on the pedestal. And he just punches the box. I mean, there's such satisfaction. I still think about that when I play and I lose, like the satisfaction of punching that game in the face. Yeah, not that I have violent tendencies. (laughs) (laughs) We also played The Resistance. I don't know if you guys, have you heard of it or played it? Wasn't that one of the ones that uh, they did on tabletop it is another one that they did on tabletop yep where you have um you have to play with at least five people and two people are spies and um three people are not and so you essentially have to figure out like who the spies are and it's one of those sort of you know trying to figure out people's tells and you know who's lying and who's hiding you know things and stuff like that so um it's really fun it's really it's can be reasonably quick depending on how much you debate kind of what you're doing with the game and how difficult people are about stuff but um but it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so and then we tried out star flux which is another tabletop game i'd never played flux before and flux is so much fun (laughs) we we have we have monty python flux and zombie flux nice yes or i think zombie flux is the one we're going to pick up again uh, or next um because it's quick and it's easy to learn although the rules are constantly changing so it keeps you on your toes you can't really like have those moments where you like stop thinking about you know the game or kind of check out because the rules are constantly changing and the goals are constantly changing and you never know what's going to happen so it's really fun yeah i almost feel like you never actually can strategically win that game I, I i feel like every time i've won it's been because somebody wasn't paying enough attention and dropped the card that allowed me to win yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i've done it for other people where i've just randomly dropped a card not paying attention and went oh well i just made this person win <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I had a card like that in my hand which is because sometimes it's like it's the basic rules are draw one card play one card is all all the basic rules are and then from there you can alter everything where you have to draw more cards and you have to play more cards well sometimes you get in a situation where you have to play four cards and you can't if you have the cards in your hand you can't not play them mm-hmm. so i'm like if this turn comes around to me this person is going to win because i have the goal card that i'm going to have to play that will allow <laughs> them to win and of course the person won in the turn right before me so i didn't have to do that but i was like this is not fair <laughs> yep <laughs> so I, the change in the dynamic of it i thought was just really fun yeah it's so, very fun yeah so what have you been playing Rhonda? we downloaded the season pass for borderlands 2 oh did you get the new tiny tina 
downloads? Yes. We haven't gotten to it yet. We ended up playing the badass crater of badassitude first. (laughs) (laughs) Explosion! (sighs) Yeah. And I was really glad that we did that because I have a lot of Torx ringtones on my phone. (laughs) And one of them is for when when John calls or texts me that says, this is the most incredible thing that has ever happened! (laughs) (laughs) And now I just laugh even harder now because I've heard him say it in the game. Right, because you have the context for when he says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had fits getting it downloaded on the PlayStation between the PlayStation Store and the Borderlands game. I mean, it just, it took like two days to figure it out, which is a real bummer when you sit down and say, hey, I've got five hours, finally, I want to play. And it's a pain in the ass. And he can't do it for technical reasons. That sucks. Yeah, but I like the way this particular expansion is built. There are, you know, there are a few little missions and you go through trainings and stuff like that. But uh, I kind of enjoy going into the arena with, you know, my friends and going in there and just, you know, seeing how long I could last. And uh, that's kind of fun. It's just a, a no brainer kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting anything less. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we would love to hear how our listeners have been geeking out this past week. You can always find us on Twitter, Facebook, or on our website, GameOnGirl.com. You've been listening to Game On Girl. You can find all of our social media connections on our website. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom, that's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M, or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. Mark, if people want to follow you, how can they get in touch with you? On Twitter at Mars Oler. That's M-A-R-S-U-L-L-E-R. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs. Many, many, many thanks to Simon Berman and Privateer Press for sharing such great information, not just about the Kickstarter and the digital game, but also about War Machine, the tabletop game and the community and everything. If you're looking for a strong, dynamic, engaging and interesting tabletop community, definitely check out War Machine. And the Kickstarter for War Machine Tactics, a turn-based strategy game, has five days left. So go and support a great game. $20 gets you the full version of the digital game, not to mention plenty of other perks if you're going to invest more money (laughs) into the game. And we definitely want to see, as Mark said, we want to try to get them up to, was it 1.3 to get co-op modes? for the game yep yep that's that's for co-op and there's more beyond that yeah there's more beyond that but um if we can get them up there that would be fantastic so make sure to go check that out and we'll have links for that available on the website where you can also find our itunes and stitcher streaming information this podcast is edited by ryan broom at desert tree media and the theme song good day by triple fox is used under creative commons attribution license thanks for listening and until next time game on